Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. Wow. wow. I, I'm Annie Warmke. Hey, that's even better. And today we're going to talk about recent legislation that's going to change the, the uh, outlook of renewable energy for decades to come, or this really is a BFD. Oh, you have See? to say it that way because we're not allowed to cuss. I know. Well, you know, I'm 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 quoting um, President Biden on that, and he and said of course, that? no, uh, come on, he didn't. I think he did. Anyway, we're <laughs> we're talking, of course, about the Inflation Reduction Act, and and I love that title because, at least in my mind, uh, this thing really doesn't have anything to do with inflation or reducing. I think thereof. it has a lot to do with inflation because it's going to provide amazing opportunities for people to get education and change their vocation and have a real job that pays a living. Okay. Oh yeah, I think it has a lot okay, to do with Okay, you've got that. a you've got a career possibility in Washington by stretching education into re inflation reduction. But anyway, I think what well, it has to, to do with it. You've got to get educated in order to install or design solar. I know, but that has nothing to do with inflation. So anyway, uh, I, the thing it has to do with inflation is they named it that to get the thing passed. Yeah, so, I am aware of that. So, so, <laughs> I so think that that's works a for good me. marketing. So let's walk through some of the provisions. I don't want to spend too much time on on the things that aren't related to renewable energy, but there, there are a lot of things in this. Um, the, the talking points from the White House, they talk about this bill is going to create clean jobs. Okay, we'll touch on that a little bit. It's going to make the tax code fairer. Well, that's all in the eye of the beholder, but we'll talk on that just a <laughs> wee bit. Going to revitalize American manufacturing. I think to a point, there's some things there. Yeah, I think it has there. lots of possibilities. And um, reduce health care costs. So, so those are the kind of the big picture, this is why what we did is great kind of thing. Now, as far as health care costs, taking them sort of in reverse order, um, currently in the U.S., uh, they're specifically targeting prescription drug costs. And U.S. citizens pay about two to three times as much for prescriptions as anyone else in the world. Um, and, and well, that's a pretty broad statement, but definitely the close. developed world. Yeah. But in, and anyway, there's, there's a reason for that. It's, it's really because big pharma has about 1600 lobbyists focused on making sure that we continue to pay very high costs for prescriptions. And, and last year they spent $300 million in lobbying, um, which which amounts to a little bit more than half a million dollars per congressman and senator. That's about right. And there are three lobbyists for each congressman and well, senator. Well, you got to keep them happy. It's well, there's it's more people. Three, to, three shifts in a day. There's more people to take out me, to golf than just congressmen. One of the things it is going to do, which makes a little bit of logical sense to me, is well, a lot of logical sense, is they're going to look at old folks and say, hey, you need help with hearing aids and yeah. you need help with uh, your teeth and things like that, uh, the stuff that they have always excluded. And it's actually the hearing aid stuff if you are um, not like have a big problem with hearing or okay. other diseases, it, you can actually going to be able to, I think, starting in November, buy hearing aids over the counter. This okay. is a big Well, I deal. know, but I didn't want to focus on health care. Um, <laughs> 
Well, I have to be able to say something. (laughs) There you go. I want to get into renewable energy. All right, let's get there. But anyway, well, I will just say CAPS uh, Medicare prescription at $2,000. It allows them to begin the process of negotiating drug prices, and it extends the Obamacare benefits. So that's kind of the main health care costs associated with this and healthcare provisions. Then uh, under there, make the tax code more fair. Oh, that's the part I really want to hear. Yeah. Well, well, there is a fair to whom? (laughs) Well, I don't know. You know, if this works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, um, but they, they're putting in a 15% minimum tax on all corporations netting more than $1 billion. Yeah, so where was Big Pharma's lobbyist that day? They didn't earn their money. Well, that's a business expense. So, um, <laughs> you know, but you would, you would assume, you would assume if a company makes a profit of a billion dollars, they would pay something in tax, but but that's not or really been the case. give something back to the community that's besides something that directly benefits them, like All might right. help their employees. Hey, there's a novel idea. So, so that's something that's in that provision. They're saying that'll raise about $300 billion um, from that provision. Actually, negotiating pharmaceutical prices is going to raise a similar amount, which just blows my mind that the government is paying that much just because they're not allowed to, um, to negotiate. And then the thing that's got uh, a bunch of folks uh, really upset is they're giving money to the IRS to actually enforce existing laws. But they aren't going to go after the big boys. Come on. We know it's going to be the little people. Oh, you you cynical person. They are not business people. They don't cha-ching, (laughs) cha-ching, think, oh, if we go after this person, it's going to raise more money for the IRS. It's supposedly targeted towards that. We we shall see. I have little, little faith. Okay, so those were kind of the the side issues, and and there, it's big, it's big, it's going to be it's like four hundred and some pages or something. Oh, I think yeah. there's a lot more in it than that, but that's but, the highlight. So we get into renewable energy, and um, and there's a lot of things in this, and it's like everything that you start looking at a four hundred page document. There's a lot of real geeky stuff that that makes a big difference, but it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. So hopefully That's on purpose. I know it is. Um, that way I, it can be spun any way they want to. So I'm going to try and, and drill down a little bit, but I'll rely on you to keep me <laughs> from getting too deep into so, the weeds. So, so far this. it's not, not working. No, I'm, I'm pushing along. <laughs> we're, we're beyond Obamacare right now Okay. and into production tax credits. All righty, we're going. So production tax credits. What does that mean? Yeah, this is something that's been extended and it's now extended for wind, solar, geothermal, uh, hydro systems. So all the, all the good systems. And essentially what that means is you can opt as a producer of electricity in this case to receive a one and a half cent per kilowatt hour um, credit. So like a tax who, credit. Who, who, a person or a company? No, this is a producer. A so producer. you're selling electricity. Oh, when you sell it. So, so for every one and a half cent of the system you sell. No, for every kilowatt hour you produce, you get one and a half cents. Through what you sell. Yeah, when you sell it. That's what I'm saying. Right. So if I sell you a system, I get one and a half cents. No, no, no. This is selling the electricity. 
Oh, so this is for like a utility company. Oh, um, now this is that for makes a lot more. This sense. is for a a investor who wants to install a system and then sell the power. Those things oh. would be referred to as power purchase agreements. So, um, what what makes this a great big deal is is um, you know currently the wholesale price of electricity sold from renewable systems is in the three cent kind of range kilowatt hour per kilowatt hour. Mm -hmm. So they're basically going to give you another 50% on top of that in, in terms of a tax credit. I can't wait to see how they're going to hike up the other costs that they sock well, you with. Well, one of the criticisms that, that people have of these production tax credits, they're designed to essentially subsidize um, a product in this case, electricity, when it is not competitive with, with, other technologies. But right now, renewable energy is the cheapest form of electricity that exists. So they're subsidizing the cheapest producer. Um, so then the folks in the coal industries and the natural gas industries are going, hey, guys, already we're getting outcompeted and now you just gave but them But they already got their rewards. They already got their Scooby snacks. And <laughs> this is about time. We got to focus on something that's going to really be beneficial. I know a lot of this stuff I've, I've ranted for many years that the, that the fossil fuel industry has received benefits when they did not need them. And, and now I get to be hypocritical for being happy that the renewable energy is getting incentives. Well, I don't subsidies. think it's, I don't think it's about that. I think it's good to see that the government is switching their mindset and saying, we have to encourage this in some way to speed up research and development for better panels. Uh, you know, all, all the things for electric vehicles, that might be even the biggest driving train is, you know, the need for electric vehicles and yeah. what comes all the paraphernalia and mechanicals and stuff that come with that. That has a big influence on on manufacturing if we're going to do it in this country in particular. Well, I guess I would sum up if I were a policymaker, which thank God I'm not. No, that's true. <laughs> but I, you, I wouldn't want to. Be but here. what they're what they seem to be doing with this bill is they're saying, okay, renewable energy has come of age. It's already an established technology. We want to use the tax code now to supercharge it because we want a lot of stuff built very, very quickly. It's almost like building the interstate highway system after World War II. We're going to invest, you know, a huge amount of, of um, political capital, um, political investment, money investment into this, supercharge it. It's already the cheapest. Now it's, now it's on sale. And, and let's get this thing built. Well, let me finish. And we want it built with American products. And we want it built with union labor. And Ooh, that's, that's what this is that's all the president pushing right for. there. Yeah. But we need unions because okay. people are not protected and corporations don't do the right thing. So let's hope that the emerging corporations that are going to buy into this and get on the shirt tails of it are going to have to be fair to invest in their employees and the neighborhoods and such that, that those companies uh, live in. Well, and, and when I say with union labor, actually the bill is written in such a way that it says you must pay prevailing wage, which is basically union wages, whether you're contracting with a, with a union or not. So that's good in that, I mean, these people are going to be making some significant money, um, 
and and you will not qualify for any of these tax credits to the full extent unless you're you're paying um, prevailing wage. Well, and um, the government's contracts with a lot of corporations, so I would yeah. hope that's in their contracts as well. well. That is in the federal, but this is this is anybody who no, wants I get to get it. the credit. I do, and and we are seeing a lot more union organizing. It's coming at a dear price to the employees very often, but. Uh, we are seeing that. Okay. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to get in and debate. No, about, I know. So, talk you know. to me about manufacturing or commercial building upgrades. Well, no, I don't want to go there yet. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to walk through these in a semi order here. All right. All right. So, the production tax credit, as I said, it's a it's one and a half cents per kilowatt hour. It's good for ten years. Um, now, you can opt to take the investment tax credit. So the production tax credit is you're being paid for everything you produce. So it's an ongoing revenue stream for 10 years. Or you can take the investment tax credit, which essentially gives you 30% back on whatever you paid to um, build the system. So if hey, you're building a, a solar array, deal made in heaven, yeah. they like to have the next quarter be very profitable. Well, and some of these things like the investment tax credit, um, they also put a provision in that, that you can actually sell that. So what a lot of these corporations oh, you can sell are going to do, tax credit? yeah, you can go in and say, wow. let's say you're going to get $10,000 tax credit money back. You're, you're paying $30,000 for the system or, or whatever. And, um, you could sell that to an investor for say $8,000 and they make a $2,000 profit right off the bat. And you get the money before you even start construction of of your project well that's really going to encourage a lot of well things. it is although i worry about that a little bit when you start getting to the consumer level where there are going to be a lot of shysters going out there fiddling some deals you know paying 50 cents on the dollar for this kind of thing but before we get into that um let's just remind everybody that you are listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with jay and annie warmke Reminding you, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. So, yeah, the world has just changed. And I, I really can't emphasize enough how how impactful this act is going to be. I mean, it's it really is transformative um, from, from a renewable energy standpoint. I don't know about the rest of it, the tax code and the medical and all that. It sounds nice, but, you know, the devil's in the details. So how vulnerable is this to the next administration? Because that's the thing that I feel concerned about is that it may be fragile. I don't know. If it's um, for 10 years. A lot of this stuff is 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 basically tax breaks to businesses. And I think the Republican administration would like a lot of this, but they don't they they don't want to be seen as supporting well, they're, they're renewable five energy. Years, they're five years old. Yeah. So but so, they they're going to go home and say, look what we did, sure. what we brought home to you. And that's the that's even the worst of it. Well, this investment tax credit applies to businesses. Uh what what it does is it says you'll get 30% back on whatever it costs for your system. It applies to your business, it applies to industry, and it applies to homeowners. So this is one of those things that if you're out there thinking about installing solar on your home, and let's just throw a number out there, like let's say the system costs you $20,000 for 
installing a solar array, which is probably about right for a typical home. Um, so, so then you're going to get $6,000 back in terms of a tax credit, which is not a deduction. It's a credit. So if you owed $6,000 in tax, now you owe nothing. It's dollar for dollar. Well, the, that's interesting because some of these uh, new projects that are coming where, uh, you know, they're building homes and like the state of California says everything has to have solar. Then they just build that into the price of the home. Um, perhaps. If you get it ahead of time, it's perhaps. like a construction. I don't home. know if it would qualify for a tax credit then um, because it's now a home, not it's, it's built in. Um, but you said that the homeowner could get a tax credit yeah, and they sell add it, it and if sell they it. Add it. So why wouldn't I sell it to the builder? Now, now you're getting into the weeds there. Uh, I don't know. I see it coming. I, I mean, people are going to work these kind of deals. Well, there are other incentives for home builders in this bill. Uh, some energy efficiency credits. That Let's hear more about that. because I Well, think I, listeners... I want to finish this because this is the one that applies to most everybody. Okay. So, so 30% retroactive back to the first of this year. So if you had a system installed, you would have been told you get a 26% credit. Now it's 30%. It's good for 10 years, which is, um, this so is you have 10 years to take the tax. Credit. No, no, this is, this credit applies for the next 10 years. So as all the way up until 2032, this is in place. And that's been one of the problems with the investment tax credit in the past is they'd only extend it for a couple of years. So the industry never really knew what was going to happen. Right. And there was always this kind of sort of Damocles hanging out there saying, okay, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. And then on December 31st, right. they it's come not. in and say, oh yeah, we extended it. So now it's good for 10 years. It's also good if you just want to install batteries, it will still count. Um, then there's, if you already have a system and you want, or upgrade. you don't have a system. If you just oh, want to install batteries. batteries to have a fallback. Okay. Yeah. Like a protection against the grid going out right. or whatever. And let's stick on the theme of, of residential. Cause I think that's what, um, not many of you guys own utilities out there. So, um, so residential credits, um, there's the energy efficiency credit. So if you want to upgrade, things like energy star appliances or putting in insulation things like that you can get up to $1200 tax credit on that um up to $150 a year for an energy audit so that you can have that um you know check out your house see how bad you're doing and we talked about the builders things homes meeting the energy star single family new home program can get to $5,000 credit. Uh, if their homes are designed to be better, like 20% more efficient than the average. Well, so, let's hope that that then encourages the government to give money to agencies that work in rural areas where people tend to have very poor uh, homes, they're, they're, you know, old and not well insulated. You see a lot of abandoned homes that could be lived in if they just had these kind of upgrades. Instead, the farmer lets it sit there and fall down with all this beautiful material in it. Yeah, well, almost all of these credits, you know, and most of them are in the 30% range when you're talking about investment tax credits and the like. There's two interesting provisions in there. One is uh, if they're built in low-income areas, you can get an additional 10% kind 
kind of a, another bump there. Um, then there's one that I, I like to sort of in my mind think of as the West Virginia bump. You know, it oh, says, no. it says if it's in an area that traditionally had large workforce who worked in coal oil or natural gas. But that could be Texas. That could be Pennsylvania. Could be a lot of or that the, could be Ohio. Well, yeah. Um, Any place they've been fracking. So we'll Idaho. see. We'll see how that works. But anyway, another 10% bump. And then they've got provisions that say if it's if you're using product that's manufactured and mined in the United States, then you can get additional credits. So, so it you looks get like, like 50%. Yeah, credit. that's that's what it looks like. If you add up all of these things, you're using, you're paying prevailing wages, you're use, doing it in a poor area, you're using domestically manufactured product. It looks like you could get as much as a 50% tax credit on, on a but lot this of this But this has the potential to really spur business because they're and, and not just business itself. But if you think about if you live in an impoverished area, there are a lot of small business people there that if you got a grant from the government uh, and you started saying, okay, we want to fix these things up, you could do a training program to train people how to do basic fix up. You could hire local businesses that would need more workers. I mean, you could see a whole trickle down of that system, a true trickle down for that community because a coat of paint and some insulation can change the world. Sure. And we're already seeing that. I mean, this thing has only passed uh, two weeks ago or so, and I'm seeing and getting contacted by people wanting to do workforce development training programs. There are a lot of these things emerging in developing or low-income areas. How can we uh, retrain the next uh, workforce? There are a lot of announcements about products, manufacturers who are saying, okay, we're moving our manufacturing facility to the United States. We're going to open up another well, plant they to know make they're, solar they're panels. They're going to make cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching yeah. money. And of course, the grid is going to expand dramatically for electric vehicles. You know, we're basically transitioning the automobile industry from gasoline to electric, and that electric is going to be supercharged through uh, through renewable energy. So there are electric vehicle credits as part of this bill. So if you buy a used electric vehicle, you can get up to a $4,000 tax credit. If you buy a new electric vehicle, you can get up to a $7,500 tax credit, which is basically a re rebate on, on the price of your vehicle. And same, there are credits on charging stations. Now, the kicker in all of this is that the batteries have to be manufactured in the United States. The batteries for holding energy. Yeah, the electric vehicle batteries. And the vehicle needs to be assembled in the United States. Well, so if you just draw back for a minute and look at the big picture here, you can see that if you just take each of these topics as a whole, and then you start to drill down and make little little lines that come off of there of how that's going to influence as it reach as it reaches the community, as it reaches the customer, as it reaches to the next generation. It has amazing, amazing power to right. spur people to do better, not to not to consume more, but to actually, I would hope, consume less because you have your needs met. 
Well, you don't know. I mean, when things get cheaper, people tend to consume more of it. Well, we aren't saying they're cheaper overall, and not certainly in the long run. Most people don't have $20,000 to put into anything. They don't even have $200. Now, to give an example of how the electric vehicle is going to be a thing, and a thing pretty quickly, California just announced that they will be banning all gasoline-powered cars by the year 2035. Yeah, so you can't drive into California. I don't know about I think it's registering them in California okay, or whatever. I, I, I mean, thinking, they can't well, put up roadblocks. <laughs> in their own foot, the uh, travel uh-huh. industry. Now, Texas might do that for the opposite. No electric vehicles are allowed in Texas yeah. or something. But anyway. Well, Ohio's trying. They're no. <laughs> charging a lot of money uh, as a tax when you get your license because sure. you're not paying gasoline tax, which is not true for hybrids. Yeah, well, one another big deal in this bill is that nonprofits have typically been excluded from taking advantage of tax credits because they don't pay taxes. So um, organizations like churches, civic groups, governmental agencies, even um, utilities like like co-ops and municipal power companies, which are all nonprofits, have not been incentivized to do this. Well, now those entities can receive this back not as a tax credit but as, as a, a payment uh, yeah like a rebate so this is what i'm saying it's like it, it, it for me maybe not so much the electric companies but certainly the nonprofit pieces a lot a lot of religious organizations have their hand in the government till and this is this is amazing to me because it has the potential to really do some good in poor communities. Mm-hmm. In, and, and that's a lot of this country. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday that lives in Washington, D.C., and he was saying when he came to Zanesville the first time, he was shocked. He got off the bus and he said, this is really what America is, is this little town, <laughs> McConnellsville, this little town, and all these things that surround it. This is how most of this country lives. And I think that this bill has the potential to reach those people. I, I want to be encouraged that that's going to happen. Yeah. And like I said, this is a BFD, man. Um, anyway, so <laughs> lest, lest we say, lest we say that it's all, um, it's all sweetness and light. Um, well, I there... wasn't thinking that, but I was wanting to find some All hope right. somewhere. Well, okay. Well, there is um, some provisions for the oil and gas industry in here as of well. Of course. And it basically says that um, you got to lease public lands for oil and gas. It, it's essentially saying if you want to lease public lands for wind and solar, then you must have demonstrated in the year prior that you've made available 2 million acres of land and 60 million acres of offshore two leases for oil and gas. Yeah, but most people don't own that much. No, this is the government is oh, making this government. available. And uh, But the costs for leasing have been increased in this bill. And some folks are looking at that going, you know what? It doesn't say they got to be leased. It just says made available. And if you push the price too high in comparison with renewable, there just won't be a demand for it. So, Well, I hope that's true. So I that's hope that the plan. does happen. Other people are saying, you know what? Because you're making these available now, uh, domestically, there may not be a demand, but yeah, we're going to internationally somebody now else. we're going to export. However, local laws and local uh, regimes—there's <laughs> a lot of that—could make it more difficult by adding their own taxes. 
You know, the government says they have the right to eminent domain to claim land for the good of the many, but they they can't, I don't think, stop them from charging them an arm and a leg. And we all saw from fracking that a lot of that went to hell in a handbasket because uh, they couldn't afford to keep getting paid so poorly for the barrel of whatever they extracted. Well, and the government did add or put back in a 16 and a half cent excise tax on every barrel of oil. So, so anyway, this is transformative. Yeah. All right. Well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to th- thank, <laughs> we want to thank our Emmy award-winning producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for just spending a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and get some solar energy. All right. Till next time. And her children will be You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Yeah.